the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Second hour, 605. Randy Corcoran, good to have you here. Thunder pounding out there. Is it raining? Oh, yeah. Well, no Harley sitting outside today, so I don't care. It's good to have you here. The phones have been hot. 303-696-1971. 696-1971. We'll pick up some conversation regarding, oh, I don't know, Dick Wadhams referring to the state GOP chair as Comrade Williams. Uh, people are asking about the numbers on the controversial Bonniewell Amendment. Should Trump attend this first Republican debate that the RNC is holding in Milwaukee here when we do our our um, summer meeting here and gosh just about three weeks now and the latest I just heard this on the news I did read about this a little bit while I was sitting in the meeting today Donald Trump's tweet if you go after me I'm coming after you has called big bad brave Jack has caused big bad brave Jack Smith to go to court and get a protective order so that Donald Trump Trump's speech won't hurt him, you know. But we'll talk about all of those things, a change of pace right now, and one that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, Tamara Farah, I met through her husband, Barry. He's a benefactor at Leadership Program of the Rockies, ran for governor, a super smart guy, and uh, he married up. There's no doubt about it. And she's been writing in townhall.com, saw this today, again, while I was sitting, you know, in between votes and all the things that were going on at the GOP Central Committee meeting today. And it's entitled Parents Beware. S-E-L, and whole child, manipulate your kids. Tamara joins us now. Tamara, welcome back to the show. Randy, so good to be with you. Thanks so much. Indeed. What a timely piece. And one of the things that I love about it is the history that it goes through. So many people don't realize how long they've been playing for our kids. Before we jump in, though, for folks who don't know, go ahead and explain S-E-L and whole child so that we have kind of a context for the rest of our discussion. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, one of the most, uh, you know, the biggest donors to social-emotional learning and to CASEL, uh, which is the organization that uh, has produced most of the materials that are being pushed into classrooms, K-12 public schools all across the country, is Chan Zucker- the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. And it's so fascinating because I think we're all used to this by now. The left loves to use everyday language and verbiage that most of us, and especially as parents, when, I'm, when I read you the five aspects of whole child, which is the new terminology for social-emotional learning, I think every one of the listeners is going to say, those sound like good things. Uh, but Randy, you and I know it's, it's just like anything from the radical left. You have to look read between the lines. You have to look below the surface to see what they really mean. Uh, So those five areas are academic, cognitive, social, emotional, physical, mental, and identity. Well, when you look at even, even academic, so the legal definition of core, you know, what are the the core academic subjects? That's English. We grew up with this, Randy, English, language, arts, and reading, math, science, 
Uh, foreign languages are even in the definition. Civics, government, economics, art, arts, history, and, and we would say <laughs> accurate history. Uh, and geography. Well, even here under academic, they just put four content areas. They do throw in math, but they don't even, and they do mention science, but you and I are seeing there's even a new science, right? I mean, when you have a woman that's being, uh, becomes the next justice of the Supreme Court, as we saw during her uh, Senate hearings, she couldn't even define a woman. This is what's happening to science, right? social studies and other subjects, but they even under the definition of the first element of whole child, they don't even give us the true definition of core academics. Then they talk about cognitive skills, attention, perception, and memory. All three of those things can easily be manipulated. You mentioned the history in this piece that I wrote in town hall. It shows the element of manipulation all throughout the 20th century. Uh, the 21st century. And so we've got social emotional, uh, being aware, having a process of learning and development, emotional factors, healthy adult attachment. They don't even say anything about the family. And we are seeing schools that are, you know, suggesting to children that they adopt new pronouns and even a new gender, again, through the power of suggestion with little children as young as five, as young as kindergartners, well, they're creating an attachment with these kids and they're not even notifying their parents. Well, and so, Tamara, just think, about, just, just think about the type of adults that they're role modeling. These drag queen library story time hours with these yeah. not really more than half naked or less than half naked, you know, uh, men yeah. gyrating their body parts into the face of children, all sexualized, all overt in these grotesque outfits, the grotesque makeup, really sort of yeah. a de demonic uh, phase to it. And that's what they're talking about, healthy adult relationships, not developing the family, not listening to your parents, respecting, you know, the people who love you and, and modeling your behaviors after them, but attaching to this grotesque new normal that they're trying to present to our children. Exactly. And, you know, so and then the and then the fourth element is physical. And that's kind of straightforward. Of course, it can be manipulated as well. But just to move quickly here, and then under mental, you've got a World Health Organization definition of mental well-being, which is very scary when we see what's coming out of the WHO. Um, and they're trying to define this for the whole child as a state of well-being, uh, every individual realizing their potential. Again, that sounds good until you go into how they should cope with the normal stresses of life. Well, that has everything to do with how that is defined, right? If, if teachers are giving children the idea that, that their home life is stressful, that the faith of their parents can create stress, um, we know that there is an attempt to, to pull children away from the bond with their parents and from the faith, their faith heritage. Uh, and then just being and making a contribution to their community is the final aspect of mental health. That sounds sort of good, but if you dig a little deeper, it can also sound very socialistic. We are a country, our generations were known that to be able to achieve your own individual liberty, right? To have your own individual liberty, to be able to go after your dreams. And yes, you want to be 
self-serving uh, toward others when you do that. But the idea there has always been uh, in the pursuit of happiness in America from the Declaration is that you have the choice to be the best you can be. There's an individuality that is missing from these definitions, isn't it, there? It's all groupthink. And, you know, social contribution means uh, following the, the corporate line and, yeah. and you know, community organizing and accepting people as they are with their pronouns, making sure everybody's, you know, comfy and all of that. Yeah. You mentioned math, but they're not talking about, you know, mathematics the way you and I learned it. They're talking about common core math, which is right. they tried to foist on my kids. It's just virtually nonsensical. It doesn't teach you. It would never become a scientist going through the common core math curriculum. And right. you yeah. you used another acronym earlier that uh, people probably don't know what it means. You mentioned CASEL. Explain CASEL to people. Yes. So CASEL is an organization that has been around for the, you know, I would say decades. And it basically is the organization that is pushing uh, these elements it's the collaborative to advance social and emotional learning, okay? And it's run by Dr. Linda Darling-Hammond of Stanford. And she was a champion of social-emotional learning, and she was an education advisor to Obama. So she goes back quite a, quite a ways. Um, but their goals for students include, uh, you know, a process through which children and, uh, and adults understand and manage emotions, and set and achieve positive goals and feel and show empathy for others and maintain positive relationships and make responsible decisions. Again, I'm encouraging any parents that are listening to this uh, that have tuned in this evening to listen. We really have to dissect those words because on the surface, they sound positive. You know, it's sort of like what you said earlier, you know, teaching children to go along to get along. But we all know we grew up with the element of critical thinking, not critical race theory, right? Sure. We were to challenge and to question. So all of these very emotionally pleasing sounding, this language is really dangerous because it, it does teach children, as you pointed out, not to challenge the status quo, to go along, to get along. And that's not what makes us have excellence, the excellence that we've had in the sciences, in, you know, getting to the moon, all of the achievements of America and other countries, too, come from critical thinking, don't they? Uh, they come from, yes, being respectful toward others. That's, that's an excellent quality to teach children um, and to listen to others' opinions. But we were taught to challenge things, weren't we, in, in, a, in, a, in a gracious way. Um, but not to go along to get along. We know that that is dangerous. And, you know, so the fifth element just sort of actually wraps up this, you know, part of our conversation, I think, and that is identity. You can look this up. Just do Google whole child and you'll see these five things we've just gone through. So identity is the fifth one. This is an, an individual's unique sense of purpose, including one's personal, you'll love this word, Randy, collective. Mm and cultural identities. 
So again, makes me all warm and makes me all warm and fuzzy inside, Tammy. Just warm and fuzzy. It just moves you away. It moves young children, and as they're growing up, moving them away from thinking as individuals and and putting this language into their hearts and minds is very dangerous. Talking with Tamara Farah, and we really skipped over your introduction. Obviously, I've had you on many times and know you well. Your article is Parents Beware, SEL and Whole Child Manipulate Your Kids. You can find it on Town Hall, just posted up there today. Let's get just a tiny bit of background, and then I've got a few more questions for you before we wrap it up. You bet. Well, it's, believe it or not, it's been just about 20 years that I've been working in politics and policy, in the pro-life movement, fighting human trafficking in Colorado for six years, uh, working with several national organizations, including Americans for Prosperity in Colorado as their deputy director in in communications and working with the legislature there for many years. Also then moving nationally with Moms for America, launching their K-12 education program, and then with FreedomWorks, Parents Know Best. And now I have launched my own initiative that where I can come alongside other groups and organizations and help them do effective um, and you know, productive advocacy initiatives. And these are things that we need to continue to do where we just engage the grassroots, right? Whether it's at their capital, whether it's through a rally that they want to host, making people's voices known and really amplifying that through great and excellent and effective public relations and communications. And that's through American strategies. So just so available to help and we're just you know mostly in arizona now but definitely have our hearts in colorado we just got back from breckenridge <laughs> rough so rough we're there on a regular basis <laughs> well i hate that people had to suffer through the chinese communist party wuhan virus and the people who mm-hmm. have died and the people who have had vaccine injuries and those numbers are mounting Every day, uh, people in sudden death, all those things that are happening. But there were a couple of blessings that came out of that era. And one was an an exposure of global government and the motives behind so many of the actions that were taken. The other is that so many parents, for maybe the first time, got to look deep inside their own classrooms and boy, has that gotten them up out of the off of the couch and and out of the playroom, because yeah. we're seeing pushback on this nonsense so many places around the country, and it will impact our elections as well. That's right, absolutely. Uh, the other thing I want to point out about social emotional learning is it, it and this is I know is in the piece in town hall. Um, And this goes back, this is traced back to John Dewey, the infamous John Dewey, um, who was extremely influential in everything from the way classrooms were set up when public education was originally launched and throughout the decades. Um, And it's just his influence has actually just gotten, frankly, more powerful because of the people that wanted to carry on his legacy. Um, But basically, he favored, and this is a quote, educational potential of social behaviorism used in totalitarian societies. And his statement also includes this element, that that type of totalitarian society and behaviorism required and requires, we want to put it in the present, a collective and cooperative mentality, just like we just read in the fifth element 
regarding identity around whole child. I'm just encouraging parents, please do not be fooled. It's tempting to, you know, feel comforted as a parent when you hear that, you know, the, the, the teachers and, and the uh, educators uh, and all of the people that are at your school are, are trying to take care of your children, right? Parents can feel on the surface comforted by that. But I want to encourage parents, dig deeper, request to see the materials, ask to see handouts and worksheets that your kids are being given. You know, it's not just about textbooks, right? They hide a lot of this information in worksheets and lessons that are done. And I've read lessons from from having worked at the national level with, with parents all over the country and doing a lot of research on this the last two years. I have read stories about what they're doing with SEL in the classroom and literally shaming children into having a collectivist mindset because not only do they have to fill out these worksheets, but then they are asked to share. How do you, how, how did you feel about your mom when you left the house today? Um, you know, what would you feel if the girl over there across the classroom said this to you, right? I see those as shaming activities that are causing children to want to say the thing that's going to make them look the best or feel the best, not necessarily the honest thing, right? Because of the social pressure. Um, so it gets down to that level when you get to these worksheets and these lessons. Um, anyway, I'm just, I have such a heart to encourage parents, Randy, and I really want them to be courageous to stand up for their kids. Sure seems like the momentum is building in that regard. The left, I mean, it's insidious how they would try, and not just how they would try, but how they are succeeding in manipulating our children. We see the result of this in, you know, current crop of college students and their need for safe spaces and the things that they'll protest about and the fact that the speech is only permissible if it's the things that they agree with, and instead of listening, learning, debating, pushing back, winning the argument, their goal and their method, and often they're successful with it, is to shut down the opposing view. And it's terrifying. And what people don't realize is that it starts with the language. The left has done such a powerful successful job of manipulating the language. We've changed the definition of marriage. Uh, you know, your um, your pro-choice if you prefer to kill babies over save their life. We've gone from equal opportunity, which is the basis for the most successful periods in American history, to equality and then now to equity, which is this sort of ambiguous thing that people can mold into what their whatever their political their particular political ideology or agenda is. And we've right. just we've just allowed ourselves to be victimized by it. But everywhere I look, I was with a 7,000 young people in, in West Palm Beach a few weeks ago, Turning Point Action, Charlie Kirk's organization, yeah. engaged, brilliant, courageous, and committed to restoring yeah. the republic. And so I, I still, with all the things that we're dealing with and how bad it is out there for so many, uh, I am filled with optimism for our future. Absolutely. Turning Point is phenomenal and love their work and what they're doing with the next generation. And I totally agree with you. It's it's young people like that, that will be the future leaders. And then hopefully, by the grace of God, return our country and its culture back to a place of honesty and sanity, frankly. Um, 
you know, one of the organizations I respect so much in this element of really studying out the details of social emotional learning and whole child is the Pioneer Institute. It's it's a think tank out of Massachusetts. And, you know, they just they just tell it like it is when they talk about Dewey, you know, educational that who favored, you know, educational potential of behaviorism and used in totalitarian societies. And they basically said, you know, that these individuals are trying so hard to manipulate children. And that's the bottom line. And that's why that's in the title is we need to see this for what it is, right? This is an attempt to manipulate your children in the classroom under the guise of, of being respectful of others, right? And so we really want to continue to teach our children to ask questions, to challenge things, and to not be afraid to do that, to not be afraid to be the only one that does that uh, at school. That's what makes them stronger, and that's what makes them better. Uh, so my hope is that many will be encouraged by this piece and, and be equipped to step up as parents and, well, you know, just be intimidated. I agree, and I hope the same things, which is why we invited you on tonight. Thank you for getting that to me so I was aware of it today. It's called Parents Beware, SEL, and Whole Child, Manipulate Your Kids. You can find it at townhall.com. Tamara Farah, regards to your husband, Barry, and thank you very much for your time on a Saturday night. God bless. Thank you. You too, Randy. Bye-bye. All right, we're running late. Our phone number is 303-696-1971. On the table, should Trump debate uh, Trump's throwdown after the judge ordered him to uh, pretty much remain quiet. We'll dig into some of those details and what he specifically said that has CBS News and Jack Smith and apparently the judge all a Twitter and uh, so much more. Also give you some more details about today's events at the Colorado State GOP Central Committee meeting. Answer some of your texts, etc. So I hope you'll stay right there. It's Wake Up with Randy Corcoran, 710 KNUS. All right. Well, that was an interesting diversion away from the politics of the day, the assaults and the attacks that uh, I heard and witnessed and pushed back against today at the Colorado State GOP meeting. It was very, very interesting. The Bonniewell Amendment, Amendment 7, failed. People are asking about the numbers. took me a few minutes to... uh, try to confirm, and I don't know that, you know, I haven't talked to a person on the teller committee, but initially we had about 365 people there, 355.8 was the starting point, then they found 15 votes, um, somehow had not been registered coming in, so, in fact, let me do this, and then we'll get right back to the phones, 303-696-1971. I mentioned in the first hour the outcome of the first vote for vice chair, and that it was 355 votes uh, that were available. And it was very interesting the way they decided to run this vote. The ballots were placed into clear containers. The teller committee never left the room. In fact, after the votes were collected in a very uh, careful mechanism of verifying, do you have just one vote? Are you carrying a proxy and then conveying to the next person, this person has one vote or two votes, and then sticking 
the stars on your name tag or the the circles, the colored circles to show that you'd voted and how many times you'd voted. Only then, after you were checked off and double confirmed, did your folded ballot go into the clear container that never left the room. So there was a great deal of trust in the process. People on the committee appreciate paper ballots. They appreciate the clarity and the transparency of a system that was set up like that. Never seen it done that way before. I liked it. And it went well until there was a glitch. And the glitch was that as you were checked in, you if you had brought in your mailed card, it had a um, code on it that you could scan and then they'd you know, hit a button or whatever, push that into the computer. If you didn't bring your card that was mailed out well in advance, the cards allowed you to just flow right in and, and go on into the meeting. And if you didn't bring your card, then you had to wait in a line, which has always been a problem, getting people credentialed. And so apparently there were 15 people who somehow came and were properly, excuse me, properly eligible to vote, but their, the button didn't get pushed. And so after that first vote, it was announced that this had been discovered. But because there was such a disparity between the four vice chair candidates, 65, 105, uh, 19, 167, those 15 votes would not have affected any outcome. So they decided to declare that vote official. And then they came up with a mechanism to ensure that those second or that batch of 15 voters was properly counted in the next round. So I thought that was handled pretty well. So by the time we got to the the Bonniewell Amendment, I assumed there were going to be about 360 to 370 actual voters. And so when I got the number, I was doing the calculations, and then I was told that apparently that wasn't the case, that by the time the Bonniewell Amendment was voted on, the number of 365 or 370 eligible voters in the room had dropped to 336 votes. So out of, and again, I haven't confirmed these numbers, I trust them, but I don't know for sure, out of the 336 votes, 191 people voted for the Bonniewell Amendment. That was 57%. It had to be two-thirds. They needed 224 of the 336 who voted, so they came 33 votes short of passing the Amendment 7, Bonniewell Amendment. But one thing that was pointed out to me that and if it's accurate, it seems very disappointing. 44% of the votes that were cast today were cast by proxies, people who couldn't come. And listen, I get it. This is being held on the front range. People from the west western slope or far points of the state may just not be able to make it. So I'm grateful that they submitted their proxies. That's pretty cool. And I hope more people, fewer prox- proxies and more people show up for the the main central committee meeting on, I think, September 30th. Anyway, for everybody who's been texting and texting to studio, those are your numbers. 191 of the 336 votes available voted for the Bonniewell Amendment. That's 57%. So it fell a little over 9% or 33 votes short of that needed. And what I wonder, and then we'll get to the phones, what I wonder is, will the Bonniewell Amendment be back at the next meeting? Uh, it, it There was only a week-long campaign for it, and the opposition came out bigly, to quote George Bush, bigly. It was amazing. I couldn't believe it. I got this this 
beautiful, you know, the shiny mailers that you get when the Democrats are trying to portray our candidates a certain way. Uh, I got one of them. I am told I didn't do this work myself. I'm told this came from Roger Hudson's organization. Uh, What was it? Clear America. I forget what it's called. But on the front of it, Dave Williams, shady new rules, stack the committee with his voters, take away voting power from central committee members, rig the system to give him more power. Don't let Williams sneak through shady rules. Vote August 5th. And then on the back, Dave Williams sneaking in shady new rules while you're not looking. And they photoshopped his face onto some guy carrying boxes down to the basement. Say no to the Williams rule changes. And I had an opportunity to address it. And I so I brought that flyer up there and I said, this is just ridiculous. Nothing shady, nothing stacked. This is being presented to you for a vote. And it's being explained to you. And you get to decide whether you as a private club, as the governing committee of the private club known as the Republican Colorado State GOP, for this one particular vote, this impossibly high threshold that requires 75% of the entire membership, for this one vote, uh, when it happens on September 30th, if instead of counting those people who don't show up as automatic no's, even though they're their presence is uh, is assumed under the way the law reads. Um, do you want to count them as yes? And so it was all out there for debate. The committee was free to decide to move forward in that direction or not. So the idea that this was somehow dirty tricks, there were signs when I rode, drove into the Rock Church where the meeting was heard that said, don't let them steal your vote. Nothing could be further from the truth on this particular, uh, the way this particular situation was handled. People were, you know, we've got Wadhams referring to Dave as Comrade Dave. Disgusting. And then we even had good folks, uh, people that I admire and respect and voted for and donated to, like Eric Odlin. And I don't know if he wrote this, but he sent out. Texts, multiple texts urging a no vote on the Bonniewell Amendment. And here's what was so disgusting. It's un-American, incongruent with our Republican values, and grossly unethical. It was none of those things because it was presented, and it was amended, and the amendments passed, and then it was voted on. And the committee was made the decision that, uh, you know, there weren't two-thirds of the members present who were willing to vote to move it forward. But how is that un-American? How is that communist? How is it unethical or anti-Republican? It's, it's just crazy, the, um, the machinations that the other side, the donor class, the establishment class of our party will go through to stop unique new ideas that they don't believe in even though their track record over the last few elections has been so utterly abysmal. We also talked about the budget and a host of things. And I see, and this was very important. We better talk about this a little bit too. Time. Oh yeah. All this new stuff in here. I can never know where I'm looking. I am hoping that callers will wait because we're right up against the break and I don't want to keep you uh, I don't want to cut you short. 303-696-1971. I promise we'll get right to the phones on the other side if you stay listening to 710 KNUS. Sika. 
I've been more of a seeker over the last couple of months, I can tell you that. Anyway, it's good to have you back. Show is flying by, 645. Sun's out now. Streets are wet, but uh, yeah, I see some clouds around the corner, too, so it's just peeking through. But before I get started on another rant, I promised phones, and we'll go there right now with Brian in Arvada. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Randy. Hey. It's glad to hear you again, buddy. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I know you're going through hard times. There's nothing I can really say to make it any better, but, uh, you know, my family prays for your family, so that's the way it is. Well, I've, I just, I heard so much of that today, the support just in the room, you know, 360 Republicans or whatever was, um, it's just meaningful and I'm grateful. So thank you. Well, you know, you're a big Harley guy. Are you heading out to Sturgis after the show or what's going on? No Sturgis for me, man. I've been kind of on the shelf for two months and, uh, so I'm, I've got to get back to work. I've got to get life moving forward and. Make sure my law firm didn't burn down in my absence and, you know, get my life moving. So. <laughs> but I'm doing plenty of riding and uh, hooked up with some riding buddies at the uh, at the state assembly today that I'd never ridden before. So we we've made some plans to, to get out and it really does help, man. So thank you, uh, Randy. We love you. But, you know, you know, what I'm tired of hearing with other hosts is the perception of bias. There's no perception. It's just straight bias. Are you you about the media, or what what are you focusing on? Well, there's a few people on your station that says the perception of bias. We got to get rid of the perception of bias. We know there's bias. I mean, you can watch that court hearing with uh, Hunter walking in. And they're both working together. We we got the prosecutor working with defense, and then the prosecutor had a, was so embarrassed they had to leave. You know, these are the same people that said Russia collusion, Russia collusion. You know, and uh, we we have got to wake up at some point. Do you think? I don't know. I don't know. There's Russia collusion, and now we got a prosecutor. That was actually Biden's defense lawyer. Yeah, that's not bias at all. It's incredible, isn't it? No, isn't it? It's the judge who used to. Well, I I don't want to. I read something. It flew by today, so I may have missed that. But yeah, yeah, there is definitely some bias. Was it the prosecutor or is it the judge who has worked for the Bidens before something like that? The judge was a defense lawyer. For the Bidens for many years. That's what I thought. Yeah. Evidently, she's no nonsense. We got to wake up and quit playing their stupid game. The, the whole thing's dumb. We know we're being played for idiots. I mean, we got everybody focuses on Trump, but we got the guy who we call president who can't walk up a flight of stairs. He's completely compromised by China. They're actually they actually have a spy uh center in Cuba. And now they're gonna have a military center. This guy is dangerous. This is not only you know, I can deal with corruption from within. That's okay. Whatever. We'll deal with it. But when you're you're selling our actual security overseas I mean, come on, guys. At some point, we got to go, okay, you know, we all get it now. We're not going to be stupid anymore. But uh, I guess we'll see how, you know, where the ball falls, I guess. Hello? 
Did we lose you? Did did you push a button, Blake? Uh oh, shoot. Well, call back, Brian. Um, not exactly sure what we did there, but apparently Donald Trump has taken the stage in South Carolina at the Silver Elephant Dinner, so let's tap into that for a moment. <laughs> That's pretty funny. All right, let's, uh, let's tap him down, Blake. Didn't know if maybe he'd be calling out Jack Smith or the judge. I was just looking at his Truth Social post. And, Brian, I hope we get you back, uh, because I hate cutting, cutting somebody off in mid-speech. And I just scrolled past it, um, where he said, if you're coming after me, I'm coming after you. I want to make sure I get this right. And then we'll grab Jim in Aurora. All kinds of stuff on True Social. Man, Trump is definitely not backing away and not backing down. Where the heck? Okay, here it is. If you go after me, I'm coming after you. That was from Trump about 17 hours ago, it looks like to me. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but I want to catch up. Not Jim and Aurora. Jim in Littleton, you're next. Thanks for waiting. Hey, Randy. Hey there. My prayers are out to you. Thanks, man. I have a friend that's uh, pretty high in the Republican Party, and I was just telling him I can't understand why the uh, why our DOJ is doing this to Trump. I think it's tearing this country apart. And uh, you know, it just seems to me that you would go, you would bend over backwards as a DOJ not to do this, uh, just from the fear, of the, the visual of it all. It just stinks. And when you got more than fifty percent of the population believing that voted for him and now you know going down this road and his point was and i never even thought about it because you don't seem to understand this is actually what they're doing is to impact the election from the point of view that the unaffiliated will not vote for trump if he is indicted that they're only doing this because they want to appeal that unaffiliated because biden is so but what will happen, and I never thought about it, you will have such a high percentage of people that will vote, but will not vote for president because of the, their situation right now. And I'm like, my God, you're right. That is incredible. He is, they're trying to peel away, even though the people will vote, they won't vote for president. Vote for, you'll have the diehards that will vote for Biden as well as for Trump. And, I'm, and what's going to happen is, Biden will win in that scenario. And then what's going to happen afterwards, he says, I guarantee you, Biden will pardon Trump once he becomes president again. And I'm like, holy moly. Man, it's been a long time since I... Jim, it's been a long time since I've been anywhere near LSD, but it sounds like that Republican that you were talking to is on some, because that sounds like a whole batch of nonsense to me, especially the idea that Biden would pardon Trump. I mean, first we have to come back to the fact that Biden is not going to be the Democrat nominee. Uh, there's no way he survives that long. Well, uh, if you don't know, Obama came up and he actually they leaked a speech talk he gave at the White uh, concerning that the wagons need to be circled about around Biden right now. So I think he's trying to get the Democrats to coalesce around him. Did 
that? I did hear about that. I didn't see or read the speech or anything, but mm. the uh, the way the mainstream, the corrupt, coordinated Democrat controlled mainstream media is coming out and finally starting to tell some of the tales about the Biden crime family and all of the illicit donations and, and the phone calls with daddy sitting side by side with Hunter and and the fact that everybody admits now that the Hunter laptop was not Russian disinformation as, as promised to us by, you know, 50-plus high-end security people. Um, it's To me, it's a sign that they're ready to start moving away from Biden and I still believe Michelle Obama is going to be the nominee. Well, if that's the case, then, you know, I think there will be that she will be so formidable. Trump won't stand a chance against her. Well, I've definitely heard some folks say that. But and I really wish that we'd start hearing some things more about the real Michelle Obama and her childhood and the things that she did to that did terrible damage to the black community and how she portrays herself as this poor put upon, you know, black girl who had such a tough childhood when it's all nonsense. I highly encourage people to see the Joel Gilbert movie, uh, the documentary Michelle Obama 2024, because it, it exposes an awful lot about her. And if people go at her the right way, I don't think she'd be very appealing even to uh, a, a fair number of Democrats. But you're right. I mean, the, she is. She would be a force of nature, and she'd have the full imprimatur of her husband, uh, and a whole lot of energy coming out. I'm sure. But that that's what I expect to see happen as as the end of Joe Biden draws near, whether it's through cr- the impeachment and criminal stuff, or just watching him fail so miserably, uh, physically and mentally. Uh, I, I there's just no way I see Joe Biden as being their nominee. Well, I don't know. I think that they're they're thinking they can pull him through from to the finish line. I agree with you. He's a, he's got so much baggage. I don't know. He's not appealing to not many people. But you know, like I say, I to me, I don't understand how the DOJ, even though it's so political, would do this to Trump because he is. I mean, this is tearing the country apart in so many ways. Well, and, it, uh, it's. It, it seems pretty obvious to me. They they don't care about tearing the country apart. They're terrified that Donald Trump has the momentum, the energy, and the support in a fair election to to get reelected. And they know that, as he tweeted about 17 hours ago, or truth socialed, if you go after me, I'm coming after you. That's exactly what he's talking about. And they're terrified. They're, they are on the precipice here of either sealing the deal and turning America away from its constitutional republic roots or being knocked down for another decade or two if we accidentally reelect someone with the courage and fortitude of Donald Trump. And so they're bringing everything they got. And by the way, this is what totalitarians do. They use, they've created this massive deep state that creates so many regulations that have the full force and effect of laws. You can't keep up with them. They can find you having committed a crime on any given day for something that you didn't even know existed. And they want to use all the tools that they have at their disposal to make sure that we don't get one more opportunity to put America first. And so that, that seems like a pretty easy conclusion to me. So I want to know off air who this high-end Republican is so he and I can have a t- – he or she and I, he, she, or it these days can have a talk. 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so send me a text or something or tweet text the studio or do something so I can figure out who that is. And, Jim, I really do. I appreciate you waiting around and, and for the call tonight. Thank you, Randy. All right. God bless. It's just so cool how the first thought, and this is what I experienced today, uh, people on our side of the aisle, man, they're they're just always looking out for you. It is really, really amazing. So several things as we head into the final hour. Wide open lines, 303-696-1970. Well, I don't mean – I mean we're going to have lines open. we got callers on the line. But lines will be open for the final hour as well. 303-696-1971. I saw Sound of Freedom uh, this week and extraordinary. If you've seen it or you have questions about it, I'd love to talk to you about that. Should Donald Trump debate? Haven't gotten too many answers to that question yet. And then Donald Trump, man, throwing down, and Jack Smith has already run back to the judge asking for a protective order. Some very interesting social media back and forth that uh, we can delve into what Trump is doing and whether this judge is going to shut down his right to speak freely. Former president of the United States. It is extraordinary. So that and anything else that's on your mind, final hour of the show ahead right here on 710 KNUS. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.